0: Well, and welcome to Economics in 10 with Pete and Gab. This is season seven of our award-winning podcast and in each episode we will be looking at a famous economist and asking 10 questions that will hopefully inform you and get you thinking about their influence in modern society today. Who are you looking at today, Pete? And why is he still so relevant?
1: Well, today, Gavin, we're looking at the life and work of William Stanley Jevons. Yeah. Who, along with Carl Menger and our old friend Leon Volras, was one of the architects of the mountain Revolution. Can I say I'm slightly disappointed? Long-standing listeners of the show will know, of course, that Gavin often tries to do <laughs> a sort of an accent. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if it's a you know for, uh, a foreign-born economist, you know if it's yeah. a French economist, he'll do a French accent. But he didn't take on the Scouse accent yeah. for our liverpudlian born
0: Jevons. Yeah, no, I thought long and hard about it. I, in, fact, I, in fact, I've done surveys and they said, Gav, yeah, don't do it. Okay. I've been getting a full Jamie Carragher, you know, coming, but yeah, okay. I didn't do it.
1: Oh, well, I'm disappointed anyway. Yeah. So, why is he still famous today or why is he still so relevant? Well, he is described as the first theorist to make economics a mathematical discipline. Yes. Which if you think about it, maths has come to dominate economics, mm. perhaps at the expense of the political economy uh, sort of approach that would have preceded the marginal revolution mm. uh, that we associate with people like Jevons. I'm not sure we can blame Jevons for that. If you think about later thinkers that we've covered, like Joan Robinson, you know, who would self-admittedly say that, you know, ideas more important than maths. Yeah. You could say that maths perhaps dominate yeah. ideas. Yeah. I think
0: Piketty has got this quote, hasn't it, where he talks about, uh, I think, Rethinking Economics C- C- treaty it once, about how, um, you know, since maths has taken over, he mm. says about how we have not got over our, you know, Obsession about maths within economics. Yeah, it's kind of quite interesting. What I like about doing this is that the battle that was raging in Stanley Jevons's day is still raging now, isn't oh, it? Do you what know what I think? That? Yeah, interesting by the way, that he was called S- Stanley. Yeah, uh, I thought we should point that out because we we're saying well, obviously William Stanley Jevons, yeah, but yeah. he was known as Stan, Stan. yeah, Stan, yeah, yeah Stan. Stan Jevons. Um, Yeah. Hatchington Stanley.
1: So you couldn't resist. What are we now? Three minutes into the podcast. It didn't take long for that iron discipline. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll sort of do a bit of sort of life and times of of, uh, Stan, Stanley, to begin with. Uh, And he was born in Liverpool in 1835 it's worth describing the Liverpool he was born into because although Liverpool today is a large and important city in the UK with a rich cultural heritage, um, it's hard to overestimate just how important Liverpool was to the economy of the British Empire. So in the 19th century, sort of you know, the early half of the 19th century, Liverpool is booming, mm. yeah? absolutely booming. However, life expectancy, in large British towns, in the 1830s and 40s, it was only about 29, 30. Really? Wow! Yeah. Probably not from people of Jevons's class, mm. but you're looking at, you know, a very different. It's not, you know, it's not that long ago in historical terms, yeah. but a very different sort of life. So, just in terms of the context, again, 1830 had seen of the opening of the Manchester to Liverpool railway, one of those great engineering works that typify the period. So Stevenson's rocket mm. was built to run on this line. I think we should pause there for a moment just to consider the current situation in which in the UK we've just cancelled a yeah. sort of high-speed rail mm. line, HS2, the branch between sort of uh, Birmingham and Manchester. Because yeah. you kind of think they just did these things in about five minutes yeah, in the 19th no, century. Yeah, was incredible, and it? I was reading sort of Andy Burnham, um, the sort of mayor of Manchester, Saying basically by canceling, or if we cancel this project, which has now sort of happened, we are basically saying we can no longer sort of complete difficult sort of large-scale projects. Yeah. And isn't it depressing? Because as, as I said, in the nineteenth century, all these things just happened—sort yeah. of huge, sort of sort of whole yeah. railway networks built, you know, in in years—and yet HS2 is costing an enormous amount of money, or would have done, and uh, you know, took ages. Don't we get that? It's probably a, uh, an issue for a whole podcast. But why infrastructure projects? Sort of it might uh, be a
0: watershed moment, though. Maybe yeah. you know, I read somewhere that the Economist was kind of blaming consultancies.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, they just get bogged down and everything, and mm-hmm. the planning issues and stuff like that. But yeah, but it might be. Maybe this is the kind of thing is like right. We need to sort if we want to be a grown up, fast, well, ish growing modern economy. We need to be able to do good infrastructure projects. Yeah. Like in the good old days.
1: Yeah, the good old
0: days. Stevenson's (laughs) rocket.
1: But anyway, this is obviously an epic failure. Yes. Yeah, you can't sort of dress it up as anything but that. But anyway, going back to 19th century Liverpool, we're seeing very rapid population growth, particularly of Irish migrants. So by 1851, when Jevons is approaching his adulthood, a quarter of the population of Liverpool is Irish. Yeah. some speculation about that sort of the source of the Scouse accent yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: I found out Scouse is like a kind of a type of vegetable hot pot isn't it yes yeah. that's where you get Scouser from well yeah More told that. that by my friend Tony at school is he from Liverpool yes yeah. yeah my
1: brother's obviously based in well not in Liverpool the Wirral you can't right. say it's a posh bit is it yeah I don't think <laughs> technically it's Liverpool but there we are Uh so Liverpool was a major centre for the slave trade. Nearly yeah. 5,000 voyages carrying slaves between uh, 1699 and the last recorded one in 1862. I think we've
0: mentioned this before, but fantastic slave museum up there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so well worth visiting.
1: And part of its sort of wealth is based on the fact it supplied the mills of Manchester and the surrounding areas oh. uh, with cotton in vast volumes. Um, and <laughs> interestingly there was there was quite a considerable sentiment in favor of the South during the American Civil War so between 1861 yeah, and 16, interesting. You know, because obviously they were very reliant on cotton yeah. from the southern states. so they're a bit like, yeah those Confederates
2: right <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow.
1: It was described actually as the most pro-confederate place in the world outside of the Confederacy wow, itself it? yeah. It was only exceeded by London. I was really amazed by this. It was only exceeded by London at this time as a financial center as well. So, you, yeah. so obviously, like I said, you know, Liverpool, it's got the football teams, the Beatles, and so on. But its status was probably significantly greater in the nineteenth yeah. century.
0: They got some marvelous buildings there, they?
1: Yeah, my my daughter recently <clears> went there on a school trip and was quite wowed by it to the point yeah. that she was thinking, oh, you know, this might be on my yeah. sort of short list
0: of well, potential universities. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He was, um, um, he was one of many, wasn't he? Jevons, old Stanley. He was, he was one of many. Like One of yours, is he? not he? <laughs> one of yours. <laughs> should we go on to that?
1: So he's born on the 1st of September, 1835. So we just missed his birthday relatively uh, recently. Yeah. Yeah. And he died in 1882, only 46, yeah. more of that later. Yeah. Um, so he is born in Liverpool, um, And he's born to the family of Thomas Jevons and Mary Ann Jevons. His father was an iron merchant, which at the time must have been big business, and a writer. He wrote about economic and legal subjects. And his mum was the daughter of a famous uh, person. Yeah. I had not heard of him, but a famous (laughs) person. William Roscoe. Do you know what he's famous for? The dude who wrote the grasshopper and the whatever. He did write poetry, but he was also Britain, England's first abolitionist, apparently. I don't know how they sort of decided he was the first. but Which, if you think about it, if he's in Liverpool, when Liverpool is booming, probably on the back Mm. of the slave trade, he's quite a brave position. Yeah. 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 So he is sort of an abolitionist relatively early on. You sort of hear of people like Wilberforce. I've never heard of William Roscoe. No, no. But so he he was uh, the father of... uh,
0: Chevins's mum. Going back to the Confederates, there? What do you say? Yeah, the Confederacy, yeah. Confederate. What's R- Rascal? Rascal. <laughs> <laughs> what film's that from? Film is that, that Jinxers? Rascal. Rascal.
1: Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: They're just. Yeah. Little link.
1: Good little link. <laughs> <laughs> that will mean. <laughs> A whole heap of nothing to 99.9% It's probably not right either. It's yeah. probably not right. So you might have to explain. The Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. TV show in the 1980s. Classic. Based in the southern states of America. Yeah. And I think their car actually had the kind of sort of southern confederacy yes. flag on it, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Couldn't make it these days. No,
0: you couldn't. <laughs> you get it.
1: But I don't uh, think there was racism in the show, though. I don't think... Yeah, no, probably not. We're, I don't think the Dukes of Hazard themselves a racist. No.
0: Yeah, yeah Daisy Duke. Yeah. yeah. She'll pin up girls and do for yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. Very exciting. Not a racist bone in a body. No. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we're
1: aware. So anyway, Keynes, our old friend Keynes, yes. who we love Keynes, wrote a fantastic biographical essay yep. about uh, Jevons. And he describes the Jevons family In the following terms, his family belonged to the class of educated nonconformists who, without academic connections, made up in the first half of the 19th century the intelligentsia of Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds and Birmingham and became the backbone of Bentham's foundation in 1826 at University College London and of Owens College Manchester. Which is now 46, Manchester University. Manchester yeah. Yeah. So he's part of a sort of set of uh, so non conformists are sort of Protestants who don't conform with the Church of England. Right. So like your Quakers, your Unitarians.
0: Why did they have partner. so many kids then?
1: I don't know, I just think it was quite common at the time, didn't it? All right, Okay. Uh, I think lots of Victorian families have big right. big families.
0: Yeah. You can't not you can't blame the can't blame the Catholics. Yeah, yeah like you blame me, you and your Catholics, <laughs> <laughs> populating yeah. the place.
1: But he was uh, uh, from a big family. He was his mother's ninth child. Yeah. Apparently, his mom was a poet.
0: Yeah. Well, like, from the and and obviously there's there's poetry in the family. Yeah, there is poetry, isn't there? In, the family. poetry poet in the family. A poet.
1: Apparently, you know, like yourself.
0: Yes. I was going to ask you actually is you know, national poetry today. By the way, we're recording this on National Poetry wow. Day where uh, the theme yeah. is refuge. And hopefully you're finding refuge in this. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can do more than one poem, by the way. Like <laughs> you,
1: you haven't put that on your passport yet or LinkedIn profile? No. Sort of, no Poet?
0: No, no. Now I'm trying to work out how to do a second Instagram account for David Little. All right, And okay. then I, I can't, I don't know how to do it. So, okay. well, yeah. Well, what's it, that space? It, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. So, But we should say it, but are you going to mention the fact that the family were the first, they created the Guardian, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I think, who was that? That the, was the... You know,
0: so it's like the Manchester Guardian yeah. became the Guardian.
1: Yeah, no, it did. And I'm trying <clears> to think who that
0: was. We're I trying think, to get our Guardian listeners on board, <laughs> you know, because I really feel that's the target market for us.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think who that yeah. was, though. It was a relation, but I'm trying to think what relation. Yeah. I'm sure I
0: suppose it's just the granddad, wasn't it?
1: Was it Roscoe himself? Or was it no? Or was it the
0: Harriet Taylor, things, uh, uh, dead? Yeah. Ha- Harriet Taylor Mill. Yeah, I don't know. There's a connection anyway. There was definitely There's a connection, connection anyway. It's in to the family. Guardian. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's still not going to get us a review by the Guardian's <laughs> podcast reviewers, yeah. even though we're name checking. <laughs> I, I, I know. I think we should have more dignity. Is that Drew? <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to school at the Mechanics Institute High School in Liverpool. Um, his headmaster Dr Hodgson uh, was afterwards a professor of political economy at Edinburgh but despite that Jevons himself uh, is not educated in the moral sciences but in mathematics biology chemistry and metallurgy Mm. small world there my brother did a degree in metallurgy in Liverpool wow isn't that amazing
0: I I never really know what it I assume it's just knowing different kind of metals (laughs) I don't know what? Yeah. I looked at it and I was thinking, what does what that actually What do you do? I don't know. Yeah. I should ask my brother.
1: <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so he goes on to study chemistry and botany mm. at University College of London, UCL, as we call yeah. it today.
0: Like 14 or 15, isn't he? Yeah.
1: He's he so uni, young. He's young. It's yeah.
0: incredible, isn't it? Imagine, what would you have been
1: like going off to 15 Oh, 15? my
0: word. It would have been a joke. I, I mean, I could barely g- get in at 18. I was going to say, I imagine you are quite a juvenile <laughs> at 18. Yeah. yeah.
1: But bam 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 yeah. His father's business yeah. goes bankrupt in eighteen forty seven. So he has to leave school, still incredibly young, and take up the position of assayer at mm. the mint
0: in Sydney. Yeah. I can't remember what an assayer is. You just had to check the quality of the gold, didn't you? Yeah. I think. So you're testing the value of the like. gold. Yeah. Do you
1: think he like picked up coins and like in his
0: teeth? Yeah. Phone? Oh, yeah. Yeah. just chomped on him and said <laughs> yeah, that'll do yeah. maybe just did it from a weight perspective yeah
1: Yeah. so he stays there for five years and then thankfully he re- goes back and resumes his study at UCL interestingly Kane sort of speculated that that time in Australia allowed his ideas to form yes it's almost like while he's away yeah. sort of things are sort of <clears throat> percolating and mm. he comes back with his sort of intellectual um Sort of landscape fully formed, yeah. yeah. So, do you want me to read a little quote
0: by he face? obviously got interested because he, he, one of his papers, first papers was on gold, wasn't it? Yeah, the value of gold. So, he obviously it's kind of cold? looked
1: at remember. No, I think it was Cole yeah. first, but yeah. what I'm
0: saying is, was, no, no, I think gold was the second paper, yeah. so he wrote about that. And so, and that collecting of data, yeah, you know, that he, he had to do was his kind of a of game, well, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. he'd learned loads from, from being yeah. in Australia.
1: So quote from Keynes, his long period of solitary thought and slow gestation in Australia, an age when the powers of pure originality are at their highest, had been abundantly fruitful. For soon after his return, the outlines of his principal contributions to knowledge were firmly fixed in his mind. The last third of Jevons's life after he was 30 was mainly devoted to the elucidation and amplification of what in essence he'd already discovered. Yeah. So basically, Keynes is like when he's young, that's when all his sort of was the main sort of yeah. f- new ideas. It's quite after harsh
0: that... on him, wasn't he? Really? Did you yeah. Did you read the replies in that little thing? Ideas, because it was kind of implying that, wasn't it? That yeah. Someone no. sort of tried to defend Jevons. And went. Come yeah.
1: On, what man. we're referring to, Keynes sort of did a sort of biographical lecture about Jevons. And the article again also allows a writer for reply. And his son's uh, one of the his writers. His son, man. yeah, Jevons' son is yeah. one of the people who replies. We will think... post
0: this, by the way.
1: Yeah, well, and I don't think I don't think Keynes was harsh. I think he was quite balanced. But obviously, if you were Jevons' son, <laughs> you might see as yeah. a bit a bit mean, really. Anyway, he, Jevons receives his M.A. in 1862 and was awarded the gold medal in the third branch, mm. which included logic, moral philosophy, political philosophy, history of philosophy and political economy. And we should say we're going to talk about his economic ideas. But he did, uh, as much as he contributed to economics, contribute to the, uh, the field of logic. Yeah. yeah. He was a polymath. He was absolutely a, a And he popular. wrote
0: a really, what was it, The Theory of Science as well. He's like, like, that was one of his big books as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But we're going to focus on the economics. We are generally. Well, yeah. sort of, because there is something I want to talk about yeah. slightly off that. Yeah.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, look forward to that.
0: So his first book was. Well, the- no, we should probably talk about it now, because maybe this time, because it doesn't fit in the economics bit. Okay, we'll go for it's, it. Is the Jevons Logic Piano. A logic piano. <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, if you see it, he created a little piano, which which is a mechanical piano to make logical decisions. It was made by a Salford clockmaker. And you can apparently see it, or it's in the collection. It, sorry. Salford. Salford, yeah. Sorry. Salford. Salford clockmaker. And you can find it apparently in the History of Science Museum in Oxford. It's not on display at the moment, but incredible. Like, Kind of like the first computer. I mean, yeah. you, you see that there's the National Science... Um, association I think they, uh, Computer Association Talk about it As one well, Like an analogue computer uh, I mean it's in- Incredible to so see So
1: wh- why isn't it On display currently
0: Oh I don't know I, I looked it up Because it, it was Under their Kind of wow Exhibition or something Or whatever But it's not there anymore
1: So which university Is that uh,
0: The History of Science Museum in Oxford
1: Well I think We should campaign To bring back The Logic Piano <laughs> Well, <laughs> So hashtag Bring back The Logic Piano
0: Yeah be... I mean I say that But it might be there <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's in their collection. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. But okay. I would love to see it. I would I love that, to see it. I always find that fascinating about sort of museums generally.
1: Like obviously you go into a museum. and yeah. like, I love museums. You go in, you have a look around, and then that's the tip of the iceberg. There's yeah. so much that isn't um, sort of on display. Yeah, it must be brilliant being a sort of curator. And did just sort if, of read did you
0: out. read Jevons's? Um, Little one called the uses and abuses of museums. No, it's brilliant. It's a really funny one funny. because he basically has a go at all museums, say so yeah. on the majority museums basically about how there's too much on display. Mm. He says what happens is that you basically neuter everything because you go in and you're just like, oh yeah 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 oh, no, yeah yeah yeah, and you don't actually stop yeah. and look at anything. Yeah. And he thinks that basically what should happen is like small kind of curated areas in little buildings. And schools should have them, like cupboards that like you reveal stuff, and you really take your time staring at things. He doesn't. He thinks that museums don't do that enough. I didn't come across that in my reading,
1: but I'm I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, because what I tend to do, and I do love a museum, is for example, if I go to, I mean, we're so lucky in our proximity to London, because we genuinely have some marvelous museums and art galleries. But I remember I used to go to places like the National Gallery and you just sort of wander around from room to room. Oh yeah, there's yeah. that. And now, I, whenever I go, I just sort of focus on one thing. Yeah. And you do get a lot more out of it. Yeah. And actually, I, I remember sort of a curated day at the National Gallery, which I went to with my daughter when she was quite little. And they got all these little kids and they were tiny. She must have been like six or seven to just look at this one painting. Yeah. And then they talked her through yeah. it and then all the kids were like and why sat there and they're all like oh you know is it this and mm.
0: it, it was brilliant
1: but you're there as an adult and you don't do that you're yeah, sort exactly. of like oh yeah there's
0: Van Gogh Yeah, Pass I'm on, sure if, you, if, you, if any of our listeners are thinking about the last time there in a museum I bet you they just it yeah, was like yeah. a little you know yeah.
1: what's it
0: called a little meander around yeah just yeah. a meander not really taking anything in yeah. and that's it
1: and particularly when you visit a, a museum abroad it's like it's almost a bit FOMO you don't want to miss out yeah Exactly. Actually, you run around
0: I remember doing yeah. that in the old Sistine Chapel it's slightly different isn't it I think but you know like yeah. just trying to see everything you
1: oh, know, I've, S- done
0: that, I've done that I've done
1: that I've done oh, that the Sistine Chapel was possibly the least spiritual experience I've ever had you're sort of all bunged in there like you're yeah. in some kind of cattle sort of yeah. in a corral, and then there's got some guy going Shh, and no one is quiet because no one <laughs> yeah. he's like silenzio silenzio no one speaks Italian and everyone just carries on talking. <laughs> it's a bit like a really ineffectual supply teacher at school. Yeah. You know, like, Shh, but it's a, the- good, anyway,
0: it's a good essay. No, fantastic. Yeah, Do you know what?
1: Yeah, I yeah. didn't come across yeah, that. What, you know, amazing. So, as you said, his first book was The Coal Question, where he worried about UK growth being dependent on coal mining. Uh, sorry, dependent on coal and coal running out. So he's mm. concerned about that. Interestingly, Keynes thought it was well-written, but just not very good in sort of ideas terms. And almost as an analogy with Malthus there, because Malthus made the connection that population will grow and, um, what was it, geometrically, and food production will increase arithmetically. And so both Malthus and I suppose Jevons were both wrong in the sense that technology will improve. So in the case of agriculture, productivity rates increased in the case of coal, you could both um, develop technology which used coal more efficiently, but also mining techniques which allowed you to yeah. economically extract more coal. He also said about uh, he didn't really think
0: about substitutes either Yeah, for coal. Um, yeah, but he was a big fan of Malthus. No, didn't he like was, yeah, yeah. Didn't like Ricardo. He did big not like of, Ricardo. And boy, did he not like John Stuart Mill. <laughs> yeah, I know, we we'll got that. <laughs> <More> <laughs> <at> that
1: <later. laughs> so... He wrote a pamphlet on gold as well, which yeah. initially sold a miserable 74 copies. Yeah. And it caused him to ruminate in his journal. Yeah,
0: I do like the fact that he was quite obsessed by the sales figures. It's a bit yeah. like me when it's I go like you, to you, yeah. isn't it? How, done how it many downloads, week? how many yeah. downloads? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt quite an affinity to Jevons because <laughs> he is, he's slightly obsessed about like, um, his, popularity, yeah, like his popularity, yeah, his profile, isn't he? Yeah, he, and he's, he thinks is, he's yeah. got good ideas that literally no one is listening yeah. to. And which I think that's like we've got, we've got a yeah. book there, we've got card games, we've got stuff ready to go, and no one, <laughs> no one wants. <laughs> to that's not true. About. That's not true. We have lots of downloads. <laughs> we've got a lot more no, than that. No, I'm definitely. talking about books and Oh, books. Yeah, well, that's you, isn't it? Yeah, 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 no, but I'm saying they're, they're ideas. <laughs> it's going to be like our play in the Edinburgh Finge. So you know? I'm going to quote
1: Gavin. I mean, I mean Jevons. Now he says, this is from his journal. Now I suppose I am low because my essay on gold is out. And as yet, no one has said a word in its favour except my sister, who
0: of course does it as a sister. brilliant, isn't it? I thought that was brilliant. That reminded me of when my mum sent me a Valentine's card. (laughs) Because she felt felt sorry for me. I mean, there's
1: bits of it. Oh, just, a, just a comical as I go. have even thought myself in many ways a fool I'm in no way surprised to find that many of my notions which I have are ridiculous. it's something quite self-pitying about yeah. it yeah
0: he's great he's got but a lot uh, of anger he's got a lot of anger I like it when he slags anger. off um, all the economists have you got that yeah. bit if he wasn't
1: married you'd have him down as a bit of an incel he's got
0: you? the uh, yeah. What is it he calls uh, what is it Uh he called Smith and the rest of the political economists with having been bad mathematicians. David Ricardo was an able but wrong-headed man. <laughs> Jevons asserted John Stuart Mill was an equally able and wrong-headed Amara. Keesney produced an entirely one-sided system of economics. He just basically had to go at everyone. Brilliant. Yeah. You know? No one is as good as me. Yeah. Jevons wrote to his brother... Uh, Arrogantly remarked, "I cannot now read other books on the subject, i.e., political economy, without indignation." <laughs> I love that. I love it. But
1: there's some, you know, like he sort of thought coal would run out. Yeah. This is. I don't know if you read this, but he also thought paper would run out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he had these sort of worrying ideas that there was an approaching scarcity of paper. So this is again a quote from Keynes's biography. He acted on his fears and laid in such large stores, not only of writing paper, but also of thin brown packing paper, that even today, more than 50 years after his death, his children (laughs) have not used up the stock he left behind of the latter. Though his purchases seem to have been more in the nature of a speculation than for his personal use, since his own notes were mostly written on the backs of old (laughs) So Basically... (laughs) He's like some kind of prepper, but not yeah, stockpiling quite, sort of isn't it? cans of food. He's yeah. sort of stockpiling like brown paper. Yeah.
0: That's the kind of mad thing I'd do. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway,
1: we were sort of implying right. some kind of complete loser, and he's not. Uh, in 1863, he becomes a tutor at Owens College, Manchester, which is the precursor of Manchester University. In 1865, uh, he is, becomes a lecturer in political economy and logic. When I was at Manchester Uni, various things were named after him. So the right. Economic Society, yeah, I think, was the Jevons Society. Right. I think there might have been a Jevons Library as well. Yeah, yeah. So there we
0: are. It would make sense. Well, we'll get on to that about Ooh. the Jevons Library because he was a
1: booklet, a bibliophile. It? Yeah, yeah. So in 1871, we see the publication of his most influential work the theory of political economy. Mm. Um, it's so it's described as the first treatise to present in a finished form the theory of value based on subjective valuations, the marginal principle, and the now familiar technique of algebra and diagrams. Yes. So in a sense, he's bringing that sort of modern toolkit that all economists now take for granted. He's outlining probably before anyone else in this yeah. particular book um, so although we have just sort of laughed at him fairly childish yeah. <laughs> this is a really really sort of influential book in the history of economic thought yes um,
0: talks and- about pleasure and pain are undoubtedly the ultimate objectives of the calculus of economics yeah. There's lots of calculus stuff nowadays isn't there
1: yeah no there definitely is yeah yeah mm. <sighs> Uh, So he's later appointed to the post of chair in political economy at UCL. He retires from there, apparently, in
0: 1880. He seems quite young to have retired. I think there was health issues, wasn't there? Yeah.
1: yeah. But very much a Renaissance man. Yeah. So some of his interests, and I know, you know, before we went on air, we discussed one of these, at least. These are some of the things he was interested in. Railway policy. Meteorology. Uh, protection. I don't know even what that means. Yeah. Land policy, cloud formation. Yes. Gunpowder, lightning, and geology. Yeah. So a man of with a range of interests.
0: He you yeah. got a lot of that when he went to uh, Australia. There's a brilliant thing that you can go and find uh, on online, where you can see the photos of him trying trying to replicate clouds in a laboratory cloud chamber. He was really obviously into uh, meteorology, as it were. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because he took up photography in Australia, and there are mm. uh, there's a lovely shot of him underneath these trees. Whatever, you think, how did he take that? Because obviously, no. Yeah. Like, anyway, <laughs> photography must be quite but, um, rudimentary. He also something. played. Is it the harmonium? He played a keyboardy thing. Yeah. That was another thing that yeah. he um, did when he was in Australia. Yeah. But he was a man of many talents. He was, yeah. And yeah. given everything we just said, and I did say. You know,
1: there's a sort of intel vibe about him, but yeah. uh, which is probably unfair. But he does get married in 1867. Yes. He marries Harriet A. Taylor. I think it might be her uh, father yes. who helped to found the Manchester yes, Gardens. You're right. That's what I said. Harriet. Yeah, yeah, I said that. Yeah. Uh, and they subsequently had three children. So in 1876, they moved to London, and he takes up a chair at UCL. Now Keynes described them as a reluctant and unsuccessful lecturer. <laughs> yeah. You know we sometimes come across sort of economists like Friedman who are like everyone says oh yeah, yeah. went to one of Friedman's lectures he was marvellous you know cha- completely changed you know went away just completely transformed. I don't think people had that experience after Jevons' no. lectures. Yeah,
0: I've got a little <laughs> quote here it says uh, his friend Professor Herbert Foxwell who had an amazing moustache by the way Go and look it up. Okay. Who succeeded him as the chair of economics at UCL from 1868 said, there was never a worse lecturer. Men would not go (laughs) to his classes. He works in flashes and could not finish anything thoroughly. The only point about Jevons was that he was a genius. Wow. He said that speaking to Keynes. Yeah. Yeah. we are. So, he, um, he didn't like it though he said he, he, he said I've never entered the lecture room without a feeling probably like that of going to the pillory uh, so he he didn't like it uh, so you can understand why he didn't want to carry do on do you get teachers like that they yeah don't, they don't last long but no
1: do you know a friend of mine uh, I was at uni with George lovely chap George Howard his ancestor designed the Howard Centre in Wellington yeah, right, Center yeah. Ebenezer Howard And wow. uh, sort of lost touch with him over the years but I'd love to get back in touch with him lovely lovely guy But he described, he very briefly took up teaching and he said, the moment I left teaching was when I sort of approached this class (laughs) and all the kids were like,
0: oh, yes,
1: we've got Howard. (laughs) And he just thought, no, I wanted to walk away at that (laughs) That point. I just knew they were going to sort of ridicule me. And he's a really nice, intelligent, sort of dignified sort of chap, you just think, yeah, it's not for everyone. Teaching yeah. that is, yeah. But, but there we are. So, um, in 1882, he's got a number of unfinished books in process, but sadly, he drowns uh, while swimming. Only 46. Yeah, I he
0: fainted, didn't he?
1: Really tragic. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, it's a Sunday morning, August 13th, 1882. He was overcome by faintness while bathing off Galley Hill yeah. between Bexhill and Hastings and was drowned. Mm. Really sad, actually. So he leaves three children behind, son and two daughters. His son, Herbert Stanley Jevons, uh, was also a scientist, uh, but also, again, found his way to economics and successfully occupied the chairs of economics at Cardiff, Allahabad and Rangoon. Mm, There you go. And his wife survives him for about 30 years. Um, Keynes' view, and this is sort of... um, I don't know, I can see why his son would have reacted to this lecture. He said that he died at the age of 46, but I think his best work was done. It was the decade of his youth from 1857 to 1867 that where he had his genius and divine intuition and a burning sense of vocation. His flame was paler and less steady at the close. Yeah, I know. Sad, it? Keynes is so poetic though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Doesn't beautiful. he write beautifully, yeah. 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 But yeah. you kind of think about that. Do you think because I don't think my b- best days as a teacher are behind me. Do you think that? I think I get better with each year. And I'm not. Like, I'm not saying I was great in the past. I look back at my NQT years when I first became quite. I thought I was awful. Yeah. I didn't know anything. But I think generally, just that craft of teaching, that ability to explain things—I
0: just think you have. I mean, uh, in in the in the ideas game, yeah, new ideas. it's just got loads of and you um, you take a lot on board, don't you? You synthesize a lot, kind of thing, and you bring everything together, and that pops up new ideas.
1: You're sort of confronting the world afresh, aren't you? And we're not. Oh, well. I say that, we say that. (laughs) So let's move on. Is there anything you want to say on his life before we move on and look at his ideas? No, apparently
0: he liked, didn't he like going off to kind of Norway or something and do a bit of fishing or something? He had, you know, he had these, he had to have, times away basically definitely to, to just tr- refine himself and yeah, as an introvert um, yeah. in modern terms yeah. Kane says in modern terms yeah. he would have been described as an introvert you know we know he's a big book collector he used to go down Great yeah. Portland Street and I recently you know, like
1: by that. the way had my you know I had a Myers-Briggs test have you ever done one of no. those? no yeah so one of the sort of there's four sort of categories and you're either this or that and there's that intro- introvert extrovert right so introversion is like to sort of restore your energy, you need time away from people, whereas mm-hmm. extroverts sort of almost sort of take on energy by being with people. Right. Where
0: do you think you lie on that? Well, you know, I'd, I'd probably be seen as an extrovert, yeah. but I'm quite introverted in a roundabout way. You can yeah. be a bit both, can't you? I bet you can, yeah. What does it say? What's the, what's the test?
1: I don't know. They ask you loads of questions. <laughs> you sort of answer them. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And what do they say for you? Introvert. Yeah.
1: but I kind of get that because you know the wife often says that you're good in social situations but they drain you (laughs)
0: whereas
1: (laughs) she says that might be more clumsy but it energises me
0: interesting (laughs) Yeah, yeah very good yeah
1: Key ideas. So some of them are bonkers and we should maybe suck at them first of all, because mm. they're quite funny. Yeah. So um, he's got a theory of business cycles. Yeah, love this. Which I did love. And this is the one thing I remembered about him. Whenever I think of Jevons, you know, yeah. I, I remember this. And it's the idea that um, business cycles, which he said... We're kind of almost rigidly every ten and a
0: half years yeah. you get a recession, and then he kind of start, he kind of moved it every now and again, didn't he? Like ten point five, 11. and then it's eleven. 25. Yeah, yeah. yeah stuff
1: like but anyway, roughly eleven years. He said felt that that was the sort of course of the business cycle, and he said, "Oh, it's all related to sunspots." Yeah, because sunspots link to weather, link to agriculture, link to psychological components like optimism and, and certain uncertainty, and that is the root of why we have sort of the boom and bust cycle.
0: Yeah, I've got an explanation for it here. It says, uh, this raises the temperature, this is to do with the sunspot activity, of the earth's atmosphere and therefore reduces rainfall, a condition which is damaging to crops. Because grain harvests are difficult to store for any length of time, the shrinking of supply pushes prices up. And then the mechanism operates like this for it to get into the business cycle. The increase in the price of wheat an inferior good which constitutes the bulk of workers' wages, reduces their capacity to spend. The consequent fall in demand for superior goods, such as manufactured articles, is followed by a reduction in the price of these goods and expected profits. Bankruptcies ensue, and therefore a decline in aggregate demand, which is transferred to the banking sector in the form of reduced credit, increasing indebtedness, and higher interest rates. And uh, then that was it. When profits fall, commercial crisis is triggered, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you end up with these big cycles.
1: Right. I mean, an utter it is ultimately complete and utter
0: nonsense. Well, n- well, no. Oh, no, no. Come on. No, it is apparently not nonsense. <laughs> but but they reckon that there is a four percent. Someone's done a modern study of this. That <laughs> there is a four percent influence on business cycles of this sort of theory of sunspots yeah but it's not enough to be statistically significant that is the Mm. apparently that is the 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 thing I found okay of this I think it's like this Italian kind of economist basically said look there is an element of truth to it and there's loads of people obsessed by it it wasn't the only one
1: no no I'm sure like
0: Keynes Keynes said (laughs) didn't he that 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 he you know, it was not to be lightly dismissed, he said. Uh, he did. He said it. He said it. Honestly. Oh, I think Courtney was nonsense. He said it was not to be lightly dismissed. Well, but, let me but, give you another Keynes quote. But 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 can I just say with regards <laughs> to it? No, but I think it is interesting to think, because obviously you've got to think about business cycles. And there's a kind of um, a link there's first of all, there's a link between like British harvest and then there was a kind of link to Indian harvest, wasn't there? There was this kind of like and then there's a from the Indian harvest, which is where they thought it came from. There was then a time lag and then the time lag created it, anyway and stuff like that. But it does make you think, doesn't it, about what causes the business cycle and maybe... There's got to be some weather-related issue linked to it. It's got to be, isn't there? It's got to be. No, there does not have Spe- to be. Especially now. <laughs> especially up. now. We've got... Look, think about El Nino. What's it called? El Nino. El Nino. El Nino. How long does that come about? Is that every year? Please stop. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, you know... El Nino <laughs> uh, that wow. uh, then look. destroys crop and does whatever. You have probably <laughs> please, got that on a stronger basis somewhere. Please, please stop. It's no. Rubbish. Come on. <laughs> There's a four percent truth. There's a four <laughs> percent truth of spun something. Sort of anyway, no. let me quote Kane because yeah. you've, you've misquoted Kane. I haven't misquoted <laughs> him. I haven't misnot quoted him. I haven't got the. Oh no, to I'm going to it. Be, I'm find to, it.
1: <laughs> to be fair to Jevons, Jevons himself sort of you know developed a slight scepticism for his own theory but then he sort of came back to it he couldn't let it lie yeah he couldn't let it go in the works of Vic Reeves yeah. he just couldn't yeah, let it lie he couldn't let it go but Kane said no one who has once deeply engaged himself in coincidence fitting of this character will easily
0: disembarrass himself of this inquiry no I know but he had said it was not it is not one to easily dismiss. But I've got it here as well. There's a quote from this, um, and I'll I'll share it. Um, I think, I'm sure it was an Italian economist, basically, who was looking into this. Um, Probably someone on YouTube. He said, It is difficult to resist the temptation to close this paper without recording what Keynes once said. Uh, The more a theory is abstruse and counterintuitive, the more it fascinates the economist circle and makes an idea float in the history of economic thought. Because that's what I'm saying about. There's loads of other people who, oh, I'm who, sure there who are, got yeah. involved in this sunspot theory. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Apparently, he did say there was a four percent. Know I love an obscure four percent
1: sort of business cycle yeah. theory. Kondratiev, who we should cover, he and he had sort of the, the fifty-year cycle theory. Yeah, uh, yeah, love all of that, but it is ultimately.
0: Hey, we, we shouldn't on, just d- we shouldn't just dismiss it. Yeah, there are some things. We should
1: dismiss because they're no, rubbish, you it's know. rubbish. It's not
0: rubbish. There's a four percent. Like, I'm gonna it, it, I'm gonna share this paper right, and there's apparently there's a four percent. It's not statistically significant, let, but it is there.
1: Let's get listeners to vote on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confident. Right. So anyway, let's move on from that because yep. it's an amusing theory. It's not. It's not the most. Yeah. Sort of. It, you know. Essential theory, which is still sort of valid no. today, and there were things he talked about which are still used today. So, for example, he's arguably the first economist to use index numbers. Yes. Now if you don't know, if you're not aware of what an index number is, this is a really useful tool that economists use to kind of squeeze big numbers, uh, sort of down to size, if you like. Yeah. So, or sort of groups of numbers into mm-hmm. sort of a uh, one number. To make sort of comparisons sort of more easily understandable. So to give you an example of that, the consumer prices index is how we measure inflation. So we look at um, sort of 650 goods and services in the UK sort of uh, basket of goods. They're all weighted to represent their uh, sort of relative importance or relative contribution to inflation. But then they're all squeezed into a single number. So you set the that um, value to 100 in the base year, and then if the next year those numbers come out as 105, you say that inflation's increased by 5%. And there's loads of indexing in economics. You have like trade-weighted indexes yeah. for exchange rates and things like that. So index numbers are an absolutely crucial tool for economists. And Jevons was arguably the first person to sort of utilise them and develop them um,
0: we probably should say at this point that I think we said that about Fisher and this is the beauty of mm. doing this podcast is that you then read something and oh it might have been him Yeah. which we'll get on to when we talk about Marshall as well because I think we claimed something for Marshall which yeah. Jevons probably now is ahead yeah. of him
1: but there's lots of usages of index yes, numbers uh, terms of trade as yeah. well so yeah. if you want to sort of work out you know how sort of if you're in a developing country, how much exports you need to sell to get a certain quantity of imports. No, index of of trade, you know, index of exports relative to index of imports and so on. Jevons was there. Yeah, he was. And the other thing that he's sort of closely associated, along with Menger and Valras, is the development of marginal analysis. And if I explain this in relation to sort of marginal utility... That's probably... Because I was actually teaching this today. Actually, I'm teaching sort of year one microeconomics yeah. for the first time in about 10 years. Oh, well, there you I'm go. i really, really enjoying it, actually, because it's
0: kind of like... Hopefully, you're bringing in this new knowledge.
1: The basic building blocks of economics. Yeah. I'm trying to, yeah. yeah. I'll obviously name check. Sort of check this tomorrow. Yeah. So, the theory held, that you know, let's say about utility... If you look at sort of each additional unit of a com- of a commodity, when we say additional, that's you know the same as marginal almost. Utility is kind of the satisfaction one sort of gets from consuming something. The theory of diminishing marginal utility is basically that with each successive unit that you consume, it satisfies
0: you sort of less,
1: or you get more yeah. p- less pleasure from it if you like. We
0: should probably point that out, shouldn't we? That um... You know his use of the word utility we've already kind of spoken to before utilitarianism yeah, he's yeah. Brought up in that world of jeremy yeah. bentham and inspired yeah, yeah. by it yeah. and so he was kind of always thinking about um utility from a pleasure pain sort of yeah. perspective so you know it's interesting like he was kind of there about you know you work up until the point where you think right the actual hassle of working now matches the you know, the pleasure I can get from the money I've earned yeah. from it. So he's all the time thinking... So that's what's kind of interesting about him as well. I know you're in the middle of your marginal utility stuff, but he you could argue he was the first person to kind of look at marginal product of labour. Yeah. Um, or well, just marginal... Yeah, sort of, sort just generally. But generally, yeah. yeah. Which is actually the...
1: You know, with you can't, you couldn't get modern economics without that sort of marginal analysis. Yes. you know, you yeah, yeah. you couldn't. Um, shall I go back to marginal yes, utility. So like, I mean, on. just just to sort of sort of in simple terms, let's imagine you've just emerged from some sort of trek across the desert, and you have a glass of water. That first glass of water will give you an enormous sort of sense of satisfaction. The second will probably also give you a certain satisfaction, but by the third, it's sort of less appealing. Um, and so, sort of, you know, as you move on and sort of consume more units of water, that will give you less and less satisfaction. Um, and Jevons said, a quote from Jevons, value depends entirely upon utility. Yeah. Now value, we have a different sort of sense of what the word value means, but value is kind of like 19th century speak for price. So he's basically saying, the price of sort of goods and services sort of is sort of contingent on upon how much. Yes, he says it will be
0: revealed. (coughs) Utility you get, Um,
1: and we've discussed we've discussed this before, haven't we? I think when we looked at Ricardo and Smith, sort of this ambiguity in early economics about sort of value versus price. Do you remember that sort of value in use versus value in exchange and all of that? And utility is also like almost like the missing link you know once you've got some sense of marginal utility you can bring those things together mar- you know value in use and value in exchange Yeah. because the value in use will sort of diminish with each progressive unit and that will affect the value in exchange if that makes sense um, so we, we start with Jevons to move towards you know price theory as we understand it today you know the sort yeah. of supply and demand and so on and it's in marked contrast to sort of things like the labour theory of value, you know, that price, in effect, is determined by uh, the value, the, how much labour has gone into it, yeah. which is sort of Ricardo kind and Marx. Kind cost of production. Yeah, Ricardo and Marx's sort of view of how prices or value, as they would have put it, is derived. Yeah. So some people have said this isn't that original. There's people um, like Gossen in Germany, Dupuy and Corneau in France, uh, and Longfield in Britain. But apparently, according to historians of economic thought, Jevons had never read any of these people. Yeah. So he's developing these theories sort of on his own. So an impressive contribution there yeah. to economists, ec- economics as we still sort of use it today. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, that, and from that you derived the demand curve.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting
0: about that? Apparently, he never ever drew a demand curve. Yeah, but like based on it, basically, it was kind of quite fascinating. Despite the fact he loved graphical representations of economics, he felt it was absolutely essential. You know, why explain things with words when you can use diagrams? And and that's ultimately again where our field has kind of gone. Uh, You know, so but there you go. Shall I move on from marginal analysis? Uh, Yeah, I just want to say, there's a little quote here. To satisfy our wants to the utmost with the least effort to procure the greatest amount of what is desirable at the expense of the least that is undesirable. In other words, to maximise pleasure is the problem of economics. Yeah. Hmm. Bam, bam, bam. There you go. So, do you want me to talk about the Jevons
1: paradox? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, So this is sort of comes out of his sort of first major work. I think it was his first major work, the coal question. And it's talking about how the gradual exhaustion of Britain's coal supplies um, will lead to more, not less consumption. Because people are almost like, you know, like, oh yeah, we want coal, we want more coal. So, it'll sort of run out more quickly. Yeah, it
0: says improved efficiency does not does not need to less consumption because yeah. it becomes cheaper. Yeah, it because you know, but so basically, so you buy more. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's called the rebound effect.
2: Yeah,
1: some yeah. people sort of associate this with a kind of ecological perspective.
0: Yeah, they're saying that there has been a claim made that I saw in a video that he you could argue he's one of the first ecological economists. Yeah. Um, so
1: increased yeah. energy production efficiency because people think oh, coal's really good will then lead to more consumption in yeah. effect. Yeah, but it's oh, to do with the efficiency
0: even... and it's a lowering and lowering and a pricing yeah. of it. because
1: you would kind of think oh more efficiency will will use less coal but because it's so efficient people will use more yeah. of it
0: yeah because of the cheapness yeah but it's so, interesting um, well no and that's the thing is that like a lot of people say you know technology is going to save the planet but if the technology makes stuff more efficient which then makes it cheaper yeah. you know then people will buy more of it mm. and then and you know that's the thing with so yeah. many things that, that we kind of use today really so there probably is still relevance today yeah Jim paradox is definitely uh, relevant today so you've
1: mentioned the Logic Piano which I was going to mention <laughs> the other thing which was quite funny. did you come across the Jevons number yes yeah. so so Jevons sort of said uh, that there are he said can the reader he' basically sort of saying that maths is so complex these days yeah, exactly a funny quote. yeah he says can the reader say what two numbers multiply together will produce the number eight i'm trying to think what it is 8, 616 million eight billion six hundred and sixteen million four hundred and sixty and seventeen ninety nine I think it's unlikely that anyone but myself will ever know. Ever know. It's so brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Will ever know. So it's basically saying that, you know, if you multiply together two big prime numbers, you know, it's almost impossible for yeah. anyone else to work out what it was. But apparently it wasn't that difficult even at the time.
0: <laughs> right. That was in his principles of science.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to be charitable to him here and say maybe sort of anticipating some sort of elements of modern cryptography. Yeah.
0: <laughs> are you going to say the two numbers?
1: No. What are they? Yeah, uh,
0: 96,079 it. and 89,681. So two prime numbers, times them together and you get the 8616460799. The yeah.
1: But apparently people could do this even at the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. The Jevons number. Yeah. There yeah, we are. But the the crucial probably work of his, isn't it, is clearly marginal utility theory. Absolutely, yeah. Chuck in the Jevons paradox, chucking index numbers. Yeah, I mean, that's and I would awesome. probably stick in as well, marginal productivity of labour.
1: Yeah, and that's quite that is a very substantial body of work. Yeah. I don't know we've chuckled at his expense, but if you compare him to some other people with a probably who may be more reputable or, you know, have a more illustrious sort of reputation. That's, they are significant contributions yeah. to economics as it is still studied, studied today. Yeah. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, And he, you know, he had his supporters at the time. Apparently Darwin's son, George, was a big supporter. Was he? Yeah, yeah of, of uh, Jevons. I've got a quote here. Yeah. Well, it's, a, you know, he wrote to uh, Valrus. Mm. I found that interesting. I didn't know yeah. there were, because obviously when we did Valrus, I don't remember us t- discussing the fact they were obviously in communication. No, no, no. And he wrote, uh, I'm glad to say, I think the mathematical view of economics is making much more progress in England and is fully recognised by those competent to judge. Yeah. Uh.
1: Do you know what a... worries me about that? It's almost like you cannot be an economist unless you can understand my maths. Yeah. And this is, if you remember when we studied John Robinson, he was tremendously ins- insightful about the sort of workings of the macroeconomy. And she, in her own, you know, by her own admission, was not a, a good mathematician. Yeah. But her intuitive understanding of how the macroeconomy works was far superior to other people who might have had greater mathematical ability, and so in a sense, there is still—I mean—that is a definitely a lasting legacy. <laughs> that sort of snobbery. Yeah. You don't understand the maths. You can't understand
0: economics. Yeah. And
1: that, it was interesting uh, as well, though, because because economics only is is a science of human behavior, or, or yeah. it's nothing, or it's nothing useful if it's not. That
0: yeah, way. which we we'll get onto the criticisms or the mm. critics of him, but in a minute. But it's interesting as well, though, uh, because he. He did understand as well. We've talked a lot about disequilibrium and dynamic markets. And Mm. I think we've talked before about how there's a lot of stuff going on in economics at the moment about dynamism in markets. But even he accepted the limitations of maths where he kind of said, look, the reason we're kind of looking at stability in terms of value and all that stuff is because it is easier maths. So he did understand that there had to be some simplicity in the mass yeah. for people to understand it and then to yeah. kind of move on. But there you go.
1: But there's all I was sort of explaining, because, again, I've really enjoyed teaching sort of basic microeconomics for the first time. And you talk, you talk a lot when you're sort of saying, well, what is economics and what do economists do? And you talk about, like, assumptions and so on. And you do assume an awful lot of things away, yeah. don't you, if you're yeah. not careful? and it reminds me of there's a quote by Robert Frost um, and it said poetry is what is lost in translation and I I love that quote because it's kind of like almost if you assume away too much you lose reality if you're not careful and I do think economists need to be wary of that
0: yes oh I think that's a lovely thing to end on unless you've got some quotes
1: I have not got some quotes no I think we've quoted him a bit on route yes
0: we have so great what do the critics say about him or his ideas? Well,
1: first of all, some of his views have not aged well. Mm. So if I can quote him, uh, he sort of says, Irish labourers are responsible for higher mortality rates in several districts. Jevons considered the Irish to be a race that would become more easily subject to, dr- to drunkenness. That is literally my ancestors. He is maligning. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> in sort of Northern England. Yeah. They all get a bit drunk and they disgrace themselves. Yeah. I say this as I'm consuming a bottle of red wine yeah. as we speak, yeah. but even so. Yeah. That's not age well. Right. It's views on women. You're saying that is not right now. I'm saying it's not right now. Yeah. I'm saying okay. it probably wasn't right then i either. No. To be okay. honest, right. yeah. Just checking. Yeah. Um, He's also got some fairly dated views about women. Right. (laughs) To be honest, he's a Victorian gentleman, isn't he? But the proper place of women is the home. Women with children younger than three years should not be allowed to work, as this would only give rise to neglect of the children. And we encourage the males to choose idleness. Mm. In all these cases, the characters of labourers, Irish people or women, I take taken for granted and I'm not in need of further explanation. Mm. But basically, I think your average Victorian middle-class gent loved a bit of stereotyping. Mm. And then the other sort of criticism I would make of him, I think I've already said, there's that sort of segue from the work of Jevons into this sort of dominance of mathematical economics. And it's the expense of people who might have a, a greater grasp of ideas Uh, Like, for example, as I've already mentioned, John Robinson. So, what are your criticisms?
0: I've got quite a lot. Oh, come
1: on, go for it.
0: Uh, Apparently, John Eliot Cairns, who has been described as the last of the classicalists, uh, was not a fan of his work. He argued that much of the data necessary to the solution of economics could never be ascertained. He held that the science did not admit of mathematical treatment. Apparently, this was a similar view of Say. Marshall also criticised him, but as I've written down here, who didn't he criticise? Because yeah. Marshall was a great criticiser. Marshall was spiky. And in fact, what was interesting in the research is that the first time he was ever in print was reviewing Jevons's book, wasn't it? Yeah. Which I thought was quite interesting. Um, we spoke in the Walrus episode, that, or Valrus, uh, that Marshall delayed publishing his work and claimed he had already done much of the work of Valrus. Yeah. And, and that's kind of comes up here with Jevons Marshall reviews his book and it's the first time that he's published I've said that already later on he admits that he was more influenced by Jevons than he let on and much of the criticism came from the fact that Jevons was critical of Ricardo mm. so like Marshall was a massive fan of Ricardo and because Jevons kind of slagged him off all the time he basically thought I'd get a boot in yeah Jevons
1: looks like um, Jevons Marshall, did love slagging him on Yeah, ones. he did.
0: Marshall has been cited as the first person to turn political economy into economics, thanks to his book in 1890. But in the second edition of Jevons's The Theory of Political Economy in 1871, he asked that every mention of political economy be turned into economics. Mm. So Jevons, you could argue, was the first person to bring economics to economics. Yeah, not political. Yeah, of. not Marshall. Is that a good thing? Oh, well, I'm just saying. It's. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's an interesting one to think about. Yeah. And uh, i bought it as well. Final one. Um, some suggested, including Marshall, that he overemphasised the demand side as a determinant of value, uh, but his son argues that he was only doing this to correct the imbalance from before, and he fully appreciated the supply side. Mm. so that was the thing because you know everyone was going like you talked about yeah Ricardo labour costs etc cetera, etc cetera. Marx and Ricardo basically labour theory of value yeah, him, yeah. And, and so he's saying look no, no, no. there's got to be a demand issue yeah. here if we think about the scissors of yeah. Marshall of demand yeah. and supply and um, so that was you know but then that was a kind of also in um, Callum Williams' book The Classical school he's saying that that's maybe why he isn't seen he doesn't have as great a greater legacy as he should have because he did sort of accept the cost issue yeah. of value, but then isn't that the point, isn't it? I mean, I never understand this when they say, right, oh well, he, um, you know, he offered this new theory of marginal analysis, or whatever, but he also understood co- and that weakened his argument. Why? I mean, yeah. what he's doing is, as he should do, is you Similize. you offer lots yeah. of different. Yeah. like, responses to things. Oh, it yeah. could be this, it could be that, it could be that. Let's bring it more. And that's probably true, yeah. isn't it? Like, most things, when you think about pricing, mm. probably is l- loads of different reasons behind it. Yeah. We should always remember that.
1: But there's so much of that as well. I think in the course of someone's life, their thinking develops, and yet we assume they almost come out of the womb with like yeah. their thinking intact, which is crazy, really.
0: Yeah. Anyway, i got a, well. a final one final thing. This kind of links back to the marginal policy says it is argued by Ross Robertson in Econometrica that he was a pioneer in relation to marginal productivity which can be seen in his I think pamphlet the theory of labor uh, to quote the quantities of commodity given or received in exchange are directly proportional to the degrees of product- productiveness of labor applied to their production and inversely proportional to the values and prices of these commodities and to their cost of production per unit, as well to their final degrees of utility. So he's bringing it all together there, yeah. finally at the end.
1: No, he's a sophisticated thinker. There's no question about that.
0: Yeah. Right, ready? Is yep, that it? I'm ready. Okay, so food time. Uh, what are we eating today, Pete? That's a spurious... Link with Jevons now. Well, before can I sorry, before oh, you go no, on no, about this, yeah, yeah. he said here Jevons used a food related example to make his point about marginal utility. Oh, did he? Uh, the decrease of enjoyment between the beginning and end of the meal may be taken as an example. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that just very briefly, Pete, before you go on to your thing. No, no, it's fine, Do you no. think that's why lean cuisine, not lean, you know, like um, taster menus, yeah. you know, when you go to these really posh restaurants. Yeah. And they offer such a tiny bit. It's actually to avoid diminishing marginal utility. It may well be.
1: I've read some quite interesting books about about food science. Just This is is a diversion. Or behavioural science. And sort of the links with food. And people often remember the first and last things they ate at a restaurant. Oh right, okay.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about it in terms of if you think. No, about I'm sure you're right. Though, Jevons is like, oh, you yeah. keep on eating, you're eating, you're eating, and no, by the end you, of it, you're bored. Yeah. Like with those things when you have like the little tester yeah. veggies, they're so small, isn't it? You bite one thing, yeah. oh, that's oh, gorgeous. You bite again, it's gone. Yeah. No, I'm sure it is. And yeah. then you move on. You go, yeah. and so you never get that diminishing. Money, yeah. So you're prepared to pay big dollar. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's absolutely spot on.
0: Anyway. Uh, food time, sorry. So
1: food time, no, well so he's from Liverpool. Yes. So I fo- 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 I would focus on Liverpool and cuisine.
0: Right. So I did think about making you You were trying to claim him though as a Mancunian though, weren't you? No, not really, it's a scouse No, right, okay.
1: So Scouse is the city's traditional dish. Yep. Lob Scouse as it's uh, originally called. Right. And it's a kind of stew made with lamb beef or broth. Nice. I'm not gonna make you that, it's kind of like, you know, late in the evening. I thought that might be a bit heavy. Yeah. Uh I did also think there's an authentic Liverpool yeah. bread pudding. Wow. Called Wet Nelly. Nice. We haven't No. Uh we are having uh a Liverpool tart. <laughs> and that's not a reference to anything. Anything of a <laughs> <laughs> than a dessert. Technically, by the way, the first references to it are in 1897, which is sort of post jazz. Oh, okay. But it is a fairly old Liverpudlian dish. Now, I've got to say, I cooked the recipe. It's from a National Trust website, but I am concerned. Nice. I looked at all the ingredients going into it, and I thought, will this actually taste... Will this be edible? And I'm not confident. Right. But I'm going to give you some anyway.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. You ready?
1: Yes. Right, I'm going to go away and get it. So we're back in the room. Mm. Gavin's tucking into his Liverpool tart. I did have fears that this might be inedible. So So tell
0: us what's in it then, Pete.
1: Well, it's got muscovado sugar. Yep. An absolute
0: ton of it. It is quite sweet. Uh,
1: Lemon. Got a Mm. lemon vibe.
0: Definitely. It's very lemon tarty actually <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: and then you've got to crumble some digestive biscuits on the top Brilliant. I feared for X. it but I'm
0: right. actually quite enjoying it mm. I do feel as if hey I'm turning scouse <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> I'm sorry listeners it was on the
1: marathon well
2: hey, countdown.
1: it's not as bad as I thought it'd be but yeah.
0: what do you think I actually quite like it, it's like a mince pie it's a bit like a mince pie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I like mince pies. Oh, okay, man. look. While I'm eating this, mm. I've got a uh, quiz for you. Oh, brilliant! Now, what? Oh, um, a big chunk of um, I man. couldn't think of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A bit. Um, it's a very tenuous link to uh, him tonight. So, right, okay. <clears throat> I was inspired by Jevons's number. Why? Right. So I thought. Well, could you name the? Um, um, the sports star. I'm gonna say the sports star. Okay, okay. And you've got to say the number most associated with that sports star. Okay. Right. There will some I will give you multiple choice, but most of the time I don't. Great. Okay. <music> what number is most associated with Michael Jordan? 23. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: I'm surprised I got that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was like Beckham took it and all sorts. Mm. Okay. Wayne Gretzky. Mm. Giving you multiple choice. 99. 77. 55. 77. It's 99. I know know who he is. Yeah. Ice hockey. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently very famous the 99 shirt of Gretzky. Yeah. Jackie Robinson, do you know who he is? Baseball player. Famous baseball player. Yeah. 24, 14, or 42? 42? Correct. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 3 Dan Marino. Um, I know he is. Miami Dolphins quarterback. Okay, do you want to go for a guess or do you want to. Uh, no. the options. <laughs> I want the options. Okay. 7, 12, 13. 7. No. He chose 13 because he didn't want it to be kind of unlucky. He wanted mm. it to kind of show. Uh, but I chose 7 and 12 because 7 is John Elway. Do you know him? Mm-hmm. I do. Broncos. Yeah, and 12 was Tom Braden. Mm. Mm. Uh, here's one for you. you if you don't get this. Okay. You, you won't be accepted back in Manchester. <laughs> Roy Keane. 17. No? Well? Sixteen. I thought <laughs> <Is it? laughs> <laughs> you get, i put that one in for you. Are you sure it's 16? Yeah, sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Oh, oh, my word. My memory's going. Oh dear. Joe Root. Oh, cricket shouldn't have numbers. Joe Root. The clue's in the name. Zero, zero. That's why he wears it. Joe Root. Root. Famous Root. Root. Two. I get my kicks on route 66 66 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, Johan Cruyff is there option? no but no. know Thierry Henry he used the same number because he was inspired by Cruyff You might get Henry 17 14 no. oh, right, okay Lewis Hamilton Okay, I've got options on this one. Good. 144.86. 86. 44. <laughs> okay. Last one, Jonah Lomu. you basically got a choice of two numbers. There's so a winger. Yeah. So he is 11 or 15. 14.
1: 11 or 14. Yeah. 15 support
0: back. Yeah. 11. Yes. Yeah. Right, so what do you get? One, two, Three, four. Four out of nine. not very good. <laughs> anyway, well done, Pete. <laughs> oh, no. Good effort. Damned with faint oh, praise. On the, on the quiz front. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've got to say, I don't, I don't think that tart's got a particularly nice aftertaste. I actually don't mind it. I've quite enjoyed it. Oh, you can take it out with you. Also. No. Well, I'm well, I'll take some actually. Yeah, I don't mind. Good, yeah. uh, it's, I love it for lunch tomorrow. Um, right. Right. Uh, New question alert uh, For this season Uh, We always like to compare Our economists To someone Whether it's a Star Wars character Or someone from James Bond But this season We've decided to widen our search What fictional character Is Jevons most like And why
1: Okay So have you seen pictures Of him? Photos? Yeah So he kind of looks like He should be in a Dickens costume drama Yeah he's pretty cool I actually found this A surprising number Of photos of him yeah. There's one where he's quite young in Australia in 1858. Do you know what I think he looks like? I think he looks like Damien Lewis. Really?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does, actually. Yeah. Some people uh, said that he looked a bit like Eden Hazard. Uh, but there you go.
1: Right. I don't see that so much, but definitely Damien Lewis.
0: Yeah.
1: I thought, like, literally, the personas could be Shelley. Not very drowned tragically. Right. You know? Shelley's real, though, isn't he? Yes what about Magwitch in Great
0: Expectations yeah went to Australia and then came back very good I like it
1: yeah
0: right, I've run out what have you got Right. well I had the same issue as you because I chose Gaza right as a starting point yeah why well because of Keynes' criticism about him having all that energy and brilliant when he was younger wasn't he oh right so I burned out and then burnt out sadly you know how he is today quite sad but then I thought we can't have Gaza because it's not fictional is it so I've gone for Spock from Star Wars well because he was obsessed by logic I think we've had Spock before no we haven't had Spock before we We can't have had Spock before because it doesn't fit with any of the questions anyway these three lines could easily come from Varus no sorry Jevons (laughs) Jevons (laughs) Jevons logic is the beginning of wisdom not the end of it Oh yeah, I could see Spock saying that. Yeah, no, he did say it. Oh right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, was so saying this is what you can see Jeffrey yeah. saying. This is from the Wrath of Khan. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Oh, utilitarianism. That's more Mill, isn't it? Or Bentham. Yeah, that's utilitarianism. Right. <laughs> and the final one. After that's a time one of my favourite films, actually. After a time you might find that having is not so pleasing, after all, as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true.
1: If that's spoke again. Yeah. Could Do be generous. You, you know like When we sort of all locked down for COVID, the night before London went into lockdown for the very first time, yeah, I went for an evening with William Shatner, oh, with yeah. my friend yeah. Stuart, and oh. they showed the Rafa Khan afterwards. I did, yeah. think It's a great film. Yeah, Rafa Khan is good. It's a it's good film. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, not like a lot of the Star, Wars, Star Trek yeah. films.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: right. What books would you recommend if people wanted to learn more about Jevons and his ideas? Well, I know you're going
1: to put a link to this. Yeah. On sort of uh, Instagram and X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keynes' essay about... Uh, it is uh, Jevons is brilliant. Yeah. He's such a beautiful writer and... You just... Everything he writes, you just want to read. You yeah. can't be writing about anyone and
0: you're saying, yeah. oh, I just want to read more of this. Yeah. So Keynes' essay is marvellous. He's, li- he's got a light touch, but also could be quite cutting.
1: Yeah, but in such a nice way. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He was describing you and said, yeah, yeah Gav's a bit of an arsehole,
0: but <laughs> he, he would say it in such
1: a nice way. He'd be like... <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, he would certainly he wouldn't use that be. word. No,
1: he wouldn't. it would be so elegantly potty, <laughs> you think, oh, yeah. I, I don't even mind being described. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, by the way, Jevons himself was a serious bibliophile. Yes. Talking about books. Yeah. Um, so he talks about, <laughs> he goes to Paris and he says, a large part of my time has been taken up in book hunting on the banks of the yeah. Seine. Which is fun to do. I've secured almost a trunk full of books on economics yeah. of much scientific and historic value, but often at ridiculously low prices. He yeah. reminds me of you in a charity shop. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. When I read that, I thought, <laughs> yes, get in there. He's my man. Yeah. Uh, so you can read some of his works online, like a serious fall in the value of gold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Keynes likes the way he writes. He describes him as a sort of, you know, fantastic writer. No, I think he does in, write well. In, in That's what I'm saying. If you read that, the
0: Use and Abuses of yeah. the Music, whatever was one of the ones I read, yeah. it was really good. Yeah. He does have interesting ideas. We kind of didn't really talk about that, but he he doesn't he, did, he doesn't believe in um, public health. No, I know. I, I mean, I found that fascinating, and, and it's quite interesting. It obviously just had a conservative vibe, you know, about about care and he didn't like free health because he didn't want. Poor people relied on rich people, did he? He felt they had to take responsibility for themselves. Yeah. But then at the same time, he he did think education was really really important and museums, and that yeah, the government yeah. should provide that. Yeah. But I thought the health thing was was really a really interesting viewpoint. Yeah. Better. have you got any things? No. No. Okay. Right. Well, look, there are some books out there that are very expensive.
1: Okay, you've, you've recommended the Classical School several times. Yes, right? Classical
0: School by Callum Williams. Excellent. And I brought along tonight as well the uh, icon book, Economics, a Graphic Guide by David Oil and Boren Van Loom. But these ones here, they're quite expensive. But William Stanley Jevons and the Cutting Edge of Economics by Burt Musselmans yeah. is like the big sort of book on him. Yeah. Um, and Bert Musselmans also has a book called Marginalism you know those academic books they're like £80 aren't they it's yeah. ridiculous and another one in the same vein is A World Ruled by Number which is uh, Mar- Margaret Shabbas subtitled William Stanley Jevons and the Rise of Mathematical Economics mm-hmm. so there you go so there are the books some right and reads yeah some good reads there oh hold on I've got another one oh and yeah this one I'm going to post online which is Jevons himself the methods of social reform and other papers. So that's where the the use and abuse of museums yeah. was in it, and you can yeah, read a lot that. Of his stuff is available online. online. All right. Yeah. Okay. If Jev- Jevons was a boxer, what would his Walk On music be and why? Magic number de la soul.
1: Don't you think that Jevons number?
0: Well, we've had that before.
1: I know, but I think it's more apposite for Jevons.
0: Right. Was okay. that yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you put I'm glad you put effort into that. No, well, first of all, you must have read that he was a big fan of the Howe Orchestra in Manchester. Oh, I love the Halle Orchestra. You Is it to, called what, so how do you say it? The Halle Orchestra. Halle Orchestra, I'm saying. Yeah. It. yeah. Okay, the Halle Orchestra. And they've Orchestra.
1: got their own console these days, the Bridgewater Hall. Back in the day, when I was a kid, you would see them perform at the Free Trade Hall. Well. Where I also saw the Happy Mondays. No way. Well, yeah. It, while he, slightly inebriated no way yeah. I think. but the Hallé Orchestra now play at the Bridgewater Hall which is a magnificent sort of concert
0: venue and so Boston. they must be one of the oldest orchestras in the, in country, the UK. yeah so, they yeah. are yeah. amazing so and he was a big fan of I'm going to say these wrong Berlioz
1: oh, no, they're good yeah
0: yeah and I looked up the 10 essential pieces of Berlioz and the one I thought would be quite good for him is the Symphony Fantastique yeah uh, he was a big fan of Wagner. Yeah. Now, obviously, the one that you'd expect me to say is... Right da yeah, no. Parsifal. No. Liebsnacht. Liebsnacht. From Tristan and Isolde. Yeah. Is it Isolde? I think it, it's Solder. It's Solder. Yeah. Okay, why? I don't know. Because there is the Tristan chord in there, so it starts with this Tristan chord, oh, yeah. which was apparently revolutionary in the opera world. What? Yeah, and I thought, well, look, Jevons was revolutionary yeah. in the math, in the economics world. Well, there we are. That's, oh, yeah. no, I've still got one.
1: Yeah, do you know Tristan and his old? I learned about when I was doing my levels. Yeah, oh, and. It's quoted in T. S. Eliot's famous poem, "The Waste right. and there's a little bit, frisch vet de Wind the heimat zu, mein Irish kind, woviel hast du?" Beautiful. work. And it means, uh "Fresh blows the wind from off the bow, my, my, my Irish child, where lingerest thou?" Oh,
0: isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. National it's, Poetry Day.
1: Yeah, no, it is National Poetry Day, but it's kind of like. Tristan is looking out he's waiting for a soul and he can't see her and he's got it yeah, yeah.
2: well there you and, go uh,
1: but it's all about sort of longing and emptiness yeah,
0: yeah. which probably actually yeah Jeven's quite a lonely yeah chat, exactly right. it probably actually somebody. works yeah. quite well for Jeven yeah, we yeah. um, I went for as well because I said about how he enjoyed visiting Norway to escape his stressful life yeah most famous Norwegian band uh-huh classic touch me. no 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 how can it be? Uh, what, what was Jevons one of his um, famous theories? Sunspot theory. The sun always shines. That's what's singing. What was it? <laughs> Believe me. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah it is. The, sun the sun always, always shines, shines on, on TV. On TV. <laughs> yes. So it's there you go. Turn <laughs> up. Uh, Da-na, that's da-na. a brilliant song it's got a, it's got a nice da, 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 walk on da, 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 da,
1: da, da, da. Yeah. and
0: there's a bloke called uh, Addy Love who has a song called Diminishing Returns oh well there we are but what do you think I let's go for a high oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah come on right okay so poetry corner uh, I'm going to give you the first two lines yeah, I'll hand it back after that um, shall I yes. yeah go for it
1: okay uh, where am I looking? Which economist said
0: maths was key and hoped that others would agree? That, my friend, was Stanley Jevons. Surname was derived from Evans. <laughs> Went to UCL as a boy wonder, but had to stop to go down under, to get a job at the Sydney Mint, because his family was so skint. But as he worked, he did learn too on the price of gold he had a view a book he produced with lots of charts and this showed off his considerable smarts. He followed it up with one on coal and now Jevons was on a roll. He was bringing maths to the dismal science despite the profession's non-compliance. Soon he explained how value came and this is what made his name. Jevons changed the game, there is no doubt. Economics in, political economy, out. (laughs) Oof! Oof. <laughs> so, <laughs> love it. Do we like him? Would we have a beer with him? Well, I think we like him. I think he could be a tricky character.
1: I think maybe yeah. he's a bit thin-skinned. Right. He was kind of a bit miffed that others had a higher profile than him. Yeah. And he seemed to love John Stuart Mill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little quote from Quain's about him, just to give you a bit of an insight into him. He went out very little. He only had a few intimates. Music, which was almost a necessity of life to him. That's nice. Bathing. You kind of think, is that a pursuit? Yeah. Just sitting in the bath. I don't know. Swimming, innit? And solitary walks were his favourite relaxations at all times. Mm -hmm. He was not an easy man to live with. A little irritable towards the interruptions of family life. Excessively sensitive to noise.
0: Yeah. Will you shut yeah. up? You wouldn't like me chomping.
1: <laughs> Liable to depression and valetudinarianism. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what I that know. is. I know, I looked that up. Yeah, what was it?
0: Well, it's just being weak, <laughs> basically, I think, if I remember correctly.
1: Without much conversation. But it's recorded that his hearty laugh was something yeah, unique in itself and made everyone the happier who heard That's it. That's
0: what I'm saying, if we could make him laugh, yeah. I think... We we'll have a nice time with how him. How do we make him laugh? I think what we would do because he got into photography, and I think we'd go into London. Yeah. We'd take some photos. We would then go through some old bookshops. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so- he'd be like, "Oh, Gov, Gov come yeah. over. This one's so cheap." Yeah, exactly. you got an
1: original. Yeah,
0: exactly. Sable, and I think that would be really nice. <laughs> and then we can go to the opera. Yeah, love it. What? What a lovely day that will be. Yeah, I mean. Um, I do like him. Uh, do you know what I
1: think we could do? He liked walking on Hampstead Heath, apparently. Yes. Uh, with Edgeworth, even though he kind of fell yeah. out with. Yeah. And
0: Foxy, whatever he's called. Foxwell. Yeah, Foxwell. So
1: we could lie down on Hampstead Heath and look at the clouds for oh, him. He loved yeah. the cloud, did
0: We could sign him up to the Cloud Spotters Guide. Um, you know, because yeah. there's that, that society, isn't there? Yeah. He would love that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you uh, know, what, a, what a day. We'd have fun with him we 'd have fun with him we'd, we'd get that hearty laugh, of out course of him. we would, yeah, so there you go, right um what was it? oh no, oh no, uh what question would we ask him and why? I
1: think I'd some ask him about his
0: ecological views
1: right. actually I'd like to sort of Definitely. sort of sort of ask him something about the sort of modern world and whether you know he felt he had anything to say about. Because he obviously, you know, is a kind of proto-ecological proto-ecolo- economist with Enough. his sort of views on sort of coal running out and his concerns about that. Could ask him about his number? Yeah. He worked out yet, yeah, mate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I would like to Would ask he be him gutted that calculators came along? Yeah, I think he would. Yeah, just, you know...
1: I think I'd also like to ask him why he disliked John Stuart Mill.
0: Somehow. Yes, that was yeah. the one question I got. Yeah. You know, what was it about Mill that really, really got to yeah. him? Because he had I a rem- proper grudge against him. I remember an old colleague of mine, though, like
1: I used to work with, and I said, he really disliked sort of a mutual friend. I said, why, why do you dislike him so much? They're oh, it's just the way he, he does this with his face. <laughs> and then pulled his face, which was quite a sort of, yeah. I thought, is it something as trivial as that? Because Mill's got
0: that kind of weird bump on his head doesn't he oh, no I'm not being I'm not being <laughs> it, but you know what I mean he might just not like the look of him yeah could be as simple as that yeah or maybe or maybe he fancied because um, he married um oh no because it was years before wasn't it because <laughs> it's interesting isn't it because he he Mill married or no didn't marry yeah. went out with Harriet Taylor Mill uh-huh. and he married a tailor but it was called also called Harriet wasn't it yeah Weird, isn't it? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, who is it next time? What's happening next? Uh, I, don't, I
1: don't know. No. I think we did do a walking tour of London. We're definitely doing that. Yeah, which we're going to do. Uh, yes. We're, we're going to sort of sort of verbally write up. Yeah. Because we did try recording it en route and we yeah. had technical difficulties. So we're probably going to describe yeah. our walking tour of I London. I think our next economist might be Becca. Gary Becker, yes, yeah. who we're both looking forward to, Yeah, who's described as uh, writing about the economics of everything. Yes. So I think he'll yes. be brilliant.
0: That, that'd be fun to do. Yeah, great. Now, um, this podcast, by the way, uh, we like to do a bit of a shout out here, uh, was inspired by a request by Cameron Murray. Um, I think, he, well, he is Australian. Uh, so it's quite a nice connection, isn't it? Yeah. The old uh, Jevons connection. Um, so if you do have recommendations for economists to look at then do get in touch Uh, congratulations also to Rory Malone uh, for winning a prize in our most recent competition to celebrate our 50th episode so and I I think he won a bottle he might have won a mug I don't know I sent off two prizes and I I do apologise for the other person who I'm not name checking because when I look back I couldn't find your name so I do apologise but we have sent out some prizes.
1: Yeah, I'm very happy to send you the remains of the Liverpool tart. <laughs> yeah, there you Whoever go. would like it. The Liverpool yeah. tart is an acquired taste, but yeah. I'm happy to put it in the post in a box for nice. anyone who would like
0: it. So, uh, we would like to thank you for listening and hope that you will listen to our next podcast. Uh, you know, we'd also like to thank our friend Nick, who gives us technical advice with regards to podcasting. And remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and the new one, Blue Sky. Oof. Yeah. Uh, at in 10 or you can contact us by email at economicsin10 at gmail.com What's happened to Mastodon? Well, I've heard that the Mastodon Econ um, basically server is not going to run anymore. Mm. So Mastodon's gone. But we're on Blue Sky Economics in 10. Come and join us. Please get in touch. We've just recently heard didn't we about the rest is politics how they end with like oh so and so's written in so and so and we're like no one's written it to us. No, they but do write in, <laughs> but not <laughs> enough. Not enough. If you do want to write in, yeah. we will name check you. We'd love yeah. to hear from you. Yeah, we're
1: desperate. Yeah, we're desperate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And if you want to write to us, yeah at gmail dot com. And do your review thing that you always do.
1: Yeah, review us on iTunes or any other podcast provider that you utilize. We don't mind.